If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Stream of Life podcast with Brandon and Lauren, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. If you're hearing this, we thank you for pressing play on another edition of It's a Stream of Life, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. And we're back after a short hiatus with the holidays. And we're asking to begin, um, as Apple and Spotify tell users what they listen to this year, what were some of your favorite song, album, or artists of 2022? Um, Well, obviously it would have to be, I think would be Beyonce, um, one of the biggest albums to come out. Um, On my list though, who did I have? I listened to a lot of weird stuff. I listened to a lot of stuff I listened to. There's a, I think the top rated group I had was this group called Sylvan Esso. And I'm not even sure how to describe their sound. They're kind of pop, kind of different, but um, TV on the radio, another big group I had. And then there's like a, I use Spotify mostly for when I'm working or writing stuff. So there's a lot of random like ambient playlists, which made up the most of the, most of the stuff that I had on there. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, same here with me. Number one was Beyonce, artist and album. Um, and I evidently use Spotify a lot when I'm at choir rehearsals. So the top two songs were songs we were practicing <laughs> and I played them. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and then I had Jesse Ware's Free Yourself. Where's the album, sis? What happened? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was the top. Um, I went to a lot of if I did listen to rap, it was mostly female artists and then a lot of R&B, so. Yeah. And another thing that's interesting is that I use Spotify, but I use YouTube even more for music. Like, mm. and uh, they do a rap too, but I think you have to have YouTube music. But oh, I know yeah. I've put like ugh, up in like 50,000 minutes at least. I use YouTube all okay yeah uh, so i i i mean i know people do use youtube for music but i typically use it for other videos but right, it right. is a large large platform yeah all right we got a lot to, dis- to discuss so we're going to hop right into our headlines <laughs> Oh, while we were gone, a lot has happened. We're not going to touch on everything. Uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye West needs to take his medicine and see somebody and all that jazz. But um, first up, interesting thing happened over at the Hollywood Reporter after uh, the <clears throat> critic Scott Feinberg wrote an article. This is what we talked about. Um, the Oscar chances this year, or potential Oscar contenders, and this the uh, sort of recent issue of like cult, cancel culture and sort of quote unquote baggage some of these um, performers carry. And in the article, he sort of placed uh, Letitia Wright and Will Smith in the same breath as uh repeat defenders such as Harvey Weinstein um who else well well basically basically he he placed those two actors in 
in the same category as people that have been found guilty right. of heinous crimes. And um, Letitia actually right, took right. Instagram and confronted the author and the Hollywood Reporter about, you know, the falsehood said in the article equating her behavior, which was mostly rumored to these acts of violence and that they need to remove her name from the narrative immediately. And um, apparently the public agreed as <clears throat> that particular author eventually deleted his Twitter account because he was getting so much oh. uh, flack for the article. And I have to agree, like, I think both Letitia's situation and the quote-unquote slap have been overblown mostly by white people. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, no, I'm just going to say, it. yeah, I agree. Because the Will Smith one, the people are still even talking about it, is bothering me. Like, yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. So it's just interesting that um she sort of stood her ground and and sort of got a win out of this. Um it's going it it just always goes back to the way media talks about black performers in in this this grand scheme of things compared to, you know, more mainstream white performers. It's it's very subtle, but it's very it's the racism is there. Right. Um, and other news, Prime Video <clears throat> for the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, has topped Netflix as the number one streamer in the country. Um, usually the top three would have been Netflix. Um, I think they listed in the article. I think Prime usually came in third. Um yeah. Yeah, so the past three years, since 2019, um, Prime has always come in second. And this year, it came in first above Netflix. And I attribute to that mainly probably the uh, addition of the Thursday Night Football has to have something to do with that. I was yeah. suspect. It, <clears throat> yeah, which has been weird to have to watch it that way, but... I think that was part of their plan to bring in numbers and it's it's definitely worked because there is a contingent of people that are devoted to Thursday night football. Exactly. So um, just for knowing sake, this year, the top five was Prime Video, Netflix, Hulu, followed by Disney Plus and HBO Max in the fifth spot. And breaking the top 10 for the first time was Peacock. So I'm not sure what drove that. Maybe reruns of sh certain shows, something. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting the way that's working out. And speaking of Amazon, um, while Warner Bros. Discovery sort of shuttered most of their animation studios and consolidated to create one, they did recently strike a deal with Amazon Prime to produce a DC animated uh, content over on Prime Video. So that should be interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of money in those uh, in those uh, IP. So we'll see what happens exactly. Absolutely. And over to the box office. Um, <laughs> Strange World, the animated film from Disney, Pixar, or was it DreamWorks? I don't know. 
from Disney yeah. tanked at the theaters. Like it lost $143 million. Um, and people could not figure out why. Um, was it the marketing? Was it coming in after Wakanda Forever so soon? Like what? What caused this film to sort of not I, hit with viewers? <clears throat> for me, I think the reason is the marketing. I with you, I didn't know anything about this movie until a couple of days ago on Twitter. I saw people talk the exact thing, like the first initial, the first commercial I've seen for it is the commercial telling me that it's in theaters already. So I've I have not seen anything about this movie. Yeah, same here. I heard about it, but honestly, I thought it was a Disney Plus exclusive. I had no idea it was coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the rollout did seem pretty minimal. Um, I know some folks try yeah, to. Yeah, some folks try to blame it on the quote unquote woke storyline, but. I had no idea the teenager was a queer character until like people started saying that. So the marketing overall just was very stale. Yeah, not great. Not great. Yeah. And apparently the critics loved it, but if people don't know about it, they can't see it. So I don't I don't know what what happened there. Um seemed like that was the sort of last. <laughs> project under the Chappic reign there as Bob Iyer returned to Disney as CEO um, and is going to lead them moving forward because I guess the last few years have not been quite good for for the House of Mouse so yeah. now over in obituaries um, sadly we lost some uh, big names um, Irene Cara who Many know as the singer for um, the Oscar-winning singer for Flashdance, as well as Fame, passed away. Um, I didn't know much about her career, especially how she sued the record her record label for um, appropriate yeah. royalties for the song she wrote, and then was basically blacklisted for her entire career. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm right there with you. I didn't know. I knew who she was, but yeah, I didn't know much more than it's kind of the basic facts about her. So yeah, but she was sort of like um, a a gifted songwriter, singer, actress. She was also in the film Fame and a uh, Sparkle, which was remade later. Um, but people were posting clips of her at eight years old performing on TV. So she was sort of always in the limelight. A very talented talented uh artists and then we lost clarence gilliard jr who won i did not know that was his name sadly um but he's best known for his role on walker texas ranger and madlock um he was a prolific actor he was in top gun um what other movie was he in it's mine slipping me he was in another had another big role in a big movie, but I forget now. Um, but yeah, he was, I think, 66 or 63. They both were in their 60s. Um, he had been, been teaching uh, theater at a, a university. So 
Um, RIP to them both, very talented um, artists in their own right. And when we come back, we'll get into our feature presentation. All right, uh, as we enter December, we know that we are in full-blown award season. Um, a lot of pre-Oscar award ceremonies are happening. Um, we had the Gotham Awards and the New York Film Critics Awards handed out the past few weeks. Um, we'll have the Independent Film Awards coming up and all the SAG Award predictions coming up as well. Um, so there are definitely names that are starting to roll up as potential contenders um, just based on the Gotham and New York Film Critic Award winners. Yeah. So um, at the Gotham Awards, Best Feature went to Everything Everywhere All at Once, which, of course, is a big uh, contender this year. One of the most uh, original screenplays I think we've ever had. Um, a mix of multiple genres there. Um, <clears throat> and the a Gotham Awards doesn't have gendered acting awards. So Outstanding Lead Performance went to Daniel Deadweiler for Till. She's thrown her name into the lead actress race. And then you had Ki Hua Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once for supporting. Um, and that's most of the film stuff. They also do TV, uh, but we'll focus on film. Um, best screenplay went to Tar, which is picking up steam as a best feature as well. And best international feature went to Happening. <clears throat> Excuse me, keep having through. But yeah, the the win for uh, Deadweiler is very surprising because because I know the front runners right now for lead actress include Kate Blanchett for Tar, um, some of the women in Women Talking. Um, I've heard things for who else? Um, crap! Now my mind slipping me. Um, dang. Why is my mind playing tricks on me? Um, happening is is a really good. I've been trying to see that for a while. Yeah, I think that was a Sundance thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it's about it's kind of right with the times because it's a film about abortion. So, yes, yes, that's the one. Then over at the New York Film Critics Circle, uh, best film went to Tar, best director went to RRR S. Uh, by S.S. Rajamoli. I've heard uh, tons of things about this film. Um, I believe it's like an Indian film. It's like a musical, meets action, meets comedy, an array of things. Everyone says wow. it's really good. Uh, actor and actress Colin Farrell for After Yang and the Banshees of Inisherin. He's getting a lot of uh, noise for the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, and he's had yeah. quite a year actually, overall. Yeah. Uh, best Actress went to Kate Blanchett, uh, Ki Hua Kwan for Supporting Actor, and then Supporting Actress went to Kiki Palmer for Nope. I totally forgot that movie happened. Yeah. Well, was it, that was this year? Or I guess it depends on their timing is. That was this year. It was this summer. 
which it doesn't feel like it. It feels like long it. Yeah. <laughs> so just just thinking of that, other contenders, um, I've heard Top Gun Maverick being considered for best film just because of, you know, its mass appeal this year, being one of the, the most grossing films of the year. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Um, um, of course, The Well is picking up steam with Brendan Fraser um, for lead actor. Right. Um, what else? I didn't mean to write these down, but I totally forgot. Uh, the Independent Spirit Awards, Everything Ever All at Once leads with eight nominations. Um, but you also have wow. films like After Sun is getting a lot of of uh friction. Um yeah. in time. Um sort of like a coming t- coming of age film. Uh My Policeman is also getting oh. What was my policeman nominated for? Oh no, these were omissions at the independent awards. Oh wow. So so Daniel Deadweiler wasn't nominated. And neither was anyone at Armageddon Time or my policeman. Okay. Who cares? But yeah, it's going to be my policeman's one with Harry Styles, right? Yes. Okay. It's gonna be an interesting year, to say the least. Yeah, yeah for sure. So for Independent Spirit Award nominations, and we'll have to start making our need to watch before Oscar list. Uh, best feature, we have Bones and All, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Our Father, The Devil. I think that was a Sundance thing. I've heard of that. Um, Tar and Women Talking. Um, Bones and All is actually in the theaters here, so I may go see that soon. Okay. Best Director, Todd Field for Tar, uh, Kogonada for After Yang, The Daniels for Everything Everywhere at Once, Sarah Poli for Women Talking, Helena Regine for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, okay. And then um, they don't have gendered uh, awards either. So Best Lead Performance nominations are Kate Blanchett, Dale Dickey for A Love Song, Mia Goth for, for Pearl, Regina Hall for Haunt for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Paul Mescal, After Sun, Aubrey Plaza, Emily the Criminal, Jeremy Pope, The Inspection, Taylor Russell, Bones and All, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, and Michelle Yao for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, hmm. Do you have, have any favorites in that list? Uh after sun that's the one i really really want to see um i've seen everything everywhere all at once and that was extremely good but yeah there's a few for making like a, a final decision i guess yeah all right that's leap of right. huh oh that was okay oh, i'm sorry can you hear me yeah okay there we go okay uh, best Supporting Performance for the in the Spirit Awards. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Ever All at Once. And now I have a little issue with this. Okay. Because I think Stephanie Hsu belong- deserves that nomination over Jamie Lee Curtis. 
Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But I, I mean, given Curtis's name recognition and seniority, maybe that's why she's getting more noise. But Stephanie, she was amazing in that role. So I don't know how I feel about, about that. Um, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Nina Haas for Tar. Brian Darcy James for The Cathedral. He Hu Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Trevante Rhodes for Bruiser. And I've heard I've heard about this movie, but not sure where I can see it. Okay. Theo Rossi for em Emily the Criminal, Mark Rylance for Bones and All, Jonathan Tucker for Palm Trees and Power Lines, and then Gabrielle Union for the inspection. So that's a very good I really want to see. Oh, I was oh, gonna say I really want to see Causeway. Yeah. I'm not sure when that comes to Apple. Um, mm, one second. Let me see when it's coming to Apple TV. Because I think Emancipation is supposed to be on Apple TV this Friday. Okay. November 4th? So it's already on there? Are you talking about Causeway? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had no idea. So definitely add that to the list. All right. Um, breakthrough performance, Frankie Corio for After Sun, Garcia Lipovic for Marina, Stephanie. Sh oh, okay. Stephanie's up for breakthrough. Because I guess that's something. Stephanie Hsu for Everything Ever All at Once, Lily McHenry, Palm Tree and Power Lines, and Daniel. So Gardy, funny pages. And then it gets in the screenplay, best first screenplay, best first feature, and other things of that nature. But it, it's going to be an interesting race. Um, there's definitely opportunities here for people of Cutler to be nominated and, and win. We still have Viola Davis from The Woman King. And the actresses from that film. Um, it's going to be a, a very tight race. Um, and other than any other award show, I think the SAG kind of is the biggest sort of precursor. Yep. So um, right now, these are just predictions from Variety. As of November 17th, um, performance by cast ensemble. We have Women Talking, The Fablemans, The Banshees of Inishirin, Glass Onion, A Nice Out Mystery, and The Woman King. Those are the top five. And then also in contention, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, She Said, and Top Gun Maverick. Uh, performance by male actor. Our, our top predictors are Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inna Sharon, Austin Butler for Elvis, Bill Nye for Living, and Gabriel LaBelle for The Fablemans. Okay. Uh, leading actress, Michelle Yao for Everything Ever All at Once, Kate Blanchett, Tar, 
Michelle Williams, The Fablemans, Daniel Deadweiler, Till, and Margot Robbie in Babylon. Now, I've heard Margot's good in this movie, but I heard the movie's a mess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard as well. I And for the longest time, I couldn't really tell the difference between Babylon and Amsterdam. Like, they were giving kind of the same type of... Yeah, vibe. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. A supporting role by a male actor, Ki Ho Kwan for Everything Ever All at Once, Brandon Gleason for The Banshees of Inisherin, Eddie Redmayne for The Good Nurse. He was all right in that. I I don't know why he would be a front runner for that award. Right. Plus, the movie was just okay. Like, I didn't really get any Oscar vibes from it. Uh, ben Wishaw for Women Talking and Tom Hanks for Elvis. Okay. And female supporting Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Jesse Buckley, Women Talking, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Inisherin, and Carrie Mulligan for She Said. Um... Then there's Stunt. Oh, Stunt is the last award there. And the SAGs really held in January, I believe. Well, not January. Well, January, February, usually. So they're sort of like the last award show before the Oscars. And I always try to tune into those. Yeah. That should be good. I think... Um... There's been a lot of good stuff out. And I think one thing you're noticing is that it's slow going, but there are more people kind of paying to attention to these other award shows. Like, I don't think the Oscars is losing steam, but it's becoming a thing of popularity. So these other award shows are growing and mm -hmm. maybe, uh, I don't know the right word, maybe like relevance. It's like, okay, they're going to go for these big movies with these big names and but, you know, such and such is going to show this and such and such is going to, you know, maybe talk about this. So, I don't know. It is kind of fun. Yeah, I definitely agree. And with streaming, there's better ways for these award shows to get live. And exactly. in general, because if unless you were a critic or something, you knew nothing about the Spirit Awards or the SAG Awards, like right. other uh, circles voting for film so it's it definitely uh helps people broaden their horizons yeah for sure all right and the oscars i believe are in february no march march 12th march yeah i was gonna say that i think they're always kind of around the start of spring yes and nominations are will be announced january 24th so just a little over a month before we find out who will be um, nominated for the Oscars. Yeah. And then you have that mad rush to try and see everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, while we try to strategize what we're going to watch before then, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our streams of the week. All right, we're back with our streams of the week, and it's been quite a while. Um, we're recapping everything since November 21st, um, and 
it looks like we kind of consumed a lot here, starting with Netflix. Um, <clears throat> what did you uh, consume on that platform? My bad. I didn't mean to put it there. I meant to put that in the other one, but um, I will say for Netflix that I did get through maybe the first two episodes of the new show, Wendy. Um, this is about Wendy. Wednesday, about Wednesday Adams, and this is okay. Jenna Ortega playing her character, and um, it, it was pretty decent. I it, I think it was interesting, and it's definitely meant for, I think, maybe teenagers and whatnot, but um, mm -hmm. as somebody, you know, we grew up with the original movies to kind of see it take on a different uh, I don't know how you say to have it branch out, I don't think there's another character in the show that you would want to see right. a story about. So she's the perfect character. She's, you know, she's a teenager. She's all this. And so you get that and you get still the Wednesday that you see in the movies. And it's it's kind of interesting. I thought it was pretty funny and it's, it's lighthearted stuff to watch. And um, uh, Jenna Ortega, she's going to be around forever, man. I think she's just now 20 or 21. And you know, she did her Disney thing or Nickelodeon, I can't remember, but um, she's so good at what she does. So, yeah, she's surprised. Yeah, she's been doing the work and it, it shows she's extremely talented. I'm excited to see where where it takes her in the right. future. Um, I've yet to start. I'm into, but hadn't been able to, but I definitely want to get into it. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, for me, let's see. I watched the second season of The Upshaws finally after I don't know why I sort of put it off, but um, it was good. Like the show is really good. Um, it gives you that sort of cheesy sitcom humor, okay. but with Mike Epps and Wanda Sykes, it, it's funny. Like it's genuinely funny. And um, Besides it being set in Indianapolis, you can't really tell because they don't really show any landmarks or... Right. I mean, they might reference the Colts and the Pacers, but it could be anywhere in the Midwest. But it's good to see Black people not in Atlanta or New York or Chicago in the right. show. Um, I also watched the documentary, Is That Black Enough For You? It, it was really good. Um, it focused on the sort of uh, renaissance renaissance of Black film during the 70s. So, you know, the rise of uh, Black exploitation, yeah. uh, the rise of uh, Melvin Van Peebles, Pam Greer, um, just different films that stood out. Um, like Sidney Poitier's sort of um, transition from like being the sort of proper Negro in the 60s to the 70s. He was in films like Uptown Saturday Night and showed, showed, showed more of his versatility. Right. right. It, it was really good. It It's kind of long. I think it was like two hours. But the pacing is pretty continuous. And I found a lot a lot of things that I didn't know and a lot of films I didn't know about. So it was, it was really good. So definitely check it out. Okay. And then randomly, I watched a movie um, from Nollywood, a Nigerian film called Dinner at My Place. Um, okay. It was a comedy about a couple, well, about a man who set to propose to his his uh, girlfriend during dinner at his place and it's interrupted by his ex. And 
what happens next is just like a comedy of airs and the way it goes I was just like this can't be real like it was funny but it's definitely like low budget yeah like shot with a iPhone from five years ago like it was just very where'd you see it or where'd you watch it it's on Netflix oh okay yeah it's it's bad that is good, like that type of bad, but yeah, yeah. it was just something different. <laughs> I, I it, it the the direction it goes, it's it's like who <laughs> of this, but um, yeah, it, it's something to watch while you're I don't know doing anything. Right, right. All right, moving from Netflix, we'll get into HBO Max, where we've been watching the second season of The White Lotus, and we had episodes four and five, and. These were sort of pivotal episodes in the series, especially episode five. Right. So um, episode four in the sandbox sort of set up some things. Um, we had the sort of ap- aftermath of um, Ethan and Cameron's night on the town. Um, and just sort of like that seed of this trust has been planted between Ethan and Harper. And we learned a bit more about Cameron and Daphne. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, nothing. Nothing. I was just agreeing. I was agreeing with oh, you. Oh, yeah. Um, I think also we learned a bit more about Valentina um, in this episode. Um, and, and a lot more characters starting to cross paths. You have uh, I'll be meeting Lucia and Portia meeting, um, what's his name? Jared. Jerry. Something. Oh, God. Yeah. The nephew. We'll just call him the nephew. Right. Uh, yeah, the nephew of um, the, the gentleman that Jennifer Coolidge's character, Tanya, has met and the group of gay men he's with in Palermo. Just just a lot of setup was in this episode. Um, and it basically set up for the extreme revelations in that Samore. Uh, what did you think of episode five? Uh, I thought it was really good. I, uh, like you said, it kind of got things going. And um, there's just, I don't know what it is. And I, I'm glad I'm not alone. Because if you go on Twitter, if you go anywhere, just... There, I, I'm so glad everybody dislikes Albie. That's my biggest thing about this whole show. Like, I'm glad there's no like redeeming qualities to him. Yeah, <laughs> he he's trying but, to be uh, the nice guy, but it's you don't have to try to be nice. Like he his sort of virtual signaling, virtue signaling is just a front. Yeah, and and the kind of the whole thing where um, he's in the pool with Lucia and that whole conversation about how he didn't want to pay her. Or it, it was a weird conversation. But anyways, um, on episode five, I was, I, I knew something that was up with the English dude. I didn't know it was what happened, but I knew there was something wrong about him and his connection to that group of gay men. I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't normal. That's not his fucking uncle. But, um, 
but yeah, there's just a lot in this episode. It was so good. It was so good. And I think Aubrey Plaza kind of stole the whole episode. Yes. Um, Aubrey's sort of <clears throat> unraveling as Harper after, you know, hearing what happened that night mm-hmm. with Noto. Um, her sort of like challenging Cameron and their little flirtation. It's it's very uh BDE energy on both half both parts. Um and also the reveal that Daphne told Harper. Um yeah. which I didn't catch at first. My friend had to tell me later that basically them kids ain't his. Right. Yeah. I, I caught it there, but I wasn't really sure. I was like, okay, well she's talking about big blue eyes and blonde hair. I'm like, Cameron don't have blonde hair. I blue eyes and blonde hair. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> Yes, and she basically tells Harper, you know, you need to get a trainer. Right. Basically, Daphne's aware of Cameron's indiscretions and that their their marriage is... A sham. Yeah, basically, because Cameron's a front. He's, he doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the intellect. He has the girl, but she's barely there right. as well. Um He's basically her trophy husband, and when you think about it, yeah, pretty much. And then with Ethan and Harper, they're kind of coming to the realization that they may love each other, but they have no type of sexual chemistry, right? Yeah, so it was very interesting. Um, and then with Albie and his family, um, you know, neither. The grandfather nor the father want Albie to mess with Lucia, but it's sort of like the hypocrites talking at this point. Right. Um, yeah. And we see now that while Albie is sort of completely smitten with Lucia, she likes him, but she likes him because he can possibly give her what she needs. And she's sort of crafting this scenario that she's being... Uh, haunted by a pimp um to sort of win Albie's sympathy. So that should be interesting. Um I also like the way that Lucia and Mia sort of switched missions here. Lucia is feeling sort of second guessing, you know, her profession. And now Mia is the one taking on uh, possible sex work to get what she wants, which is to be the singer at the hotel. And the way she clocked Valentina instantly, I was like, yeah. oh. Valentina was gagged. Yeah. That, that one of the funniest parts is when she is, Valentina was flirting with, oh, what's her name? I can't, the uh, lady that works at the front desk. Isabella. Isabella, yeah. And the Rocco dude looks over. It's his face. He's like, are you serious? Like, what are you doing? But uh, it was really funny. But then she gets rid of him. She's like, yeah, you go work out by the pool. Then she brings right. the guy in. Because she can clearly see that Isabel likes him. And she can't have that. Right. But I'm interested to see what exactly will be her trajectory as a series. Right, especially with just two episodes ago. Yeah, that's crazy. I was not expecting that. Um, but, you know, the end of the episodes where I think everyone gasped, of course, we knew something wasn't right 
with the nephew and his uncle. One, why would this seemingly heterosexual presenting young man be with his gay uncle and all these men in Palermo? Like, that should have been a red flag there, but I didn't think any of it. But then um, Tanya is awakened by noises <laughs> at night. She follows the noise and finds right. that um, the nephew and uncle were having sex. Right. So it's clear that just that this is part of some type of scheme or scam or something. Yeah, there's something going on and. I'm sure we'll get more of that. I I, I want to know. I can't wait to see her reaction and what she tells her assistant, like she saw. <laughs> exactly. She she just seems so appalled. She <gasps> that 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 really blew me away. But it, it definitely makes more sense that he would be somewhat of a boy playboy for for this man than his nephew. Right. Right. So yes, we have two episodes left of this season for The White Lotus and a reminder it has been renewed for a third season. So I'm guessing that will come sometime next year. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure. Yeah. All right, dipping into another streamer, Hulu. Um, I started the Welcome to Chippendales series with Kamal Johnny, Murray Bartlett. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... It's all right. I've only seen the first episode. It feels very safe, which is kind of mm. odd. Um, the first episode kind of moves very quickly. Like within the first, ep by the end of the first episode, he already has the Chippendales club and the dancers. I thought maybe we get that by the third episode. I don't know. The pacing felt kind of off um but it's very basic yeah i saw it on hulu and i put it in my list and everything i was like well maybe i'll check it out but now hearing this and <laughs> yeah it's it almost feels like it needs to be a bit i'm sure it'll get darker like it ends kind of dark but yeah. it feels too normal it's almost I, I tweeted this actually. I feel like Ryan Murphy should have made this for American Crime Story. Like it's lacking sort of like an edge to it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Honestly, now that you say that, I could see him doing something like that. Because, um, I mean, they're in the series, so it's not a bit of a spoiler, but it introduces the characters of, um, that's Dan Stevens plays... Oh, one second. Because it is actually a separate, sort of like a separate um, true crime tale within this one, but they don't go enough into it and it kind of feels cheapened a bit. Hmm. But Dan Stevens plays, I'm bringing it up now, if this would work, Paul Snyder. And Paul Snyder dated... Um, Dorothy Stratton, who was a Playboy playmate then. Um, 
as the story goes, um, they both die in a murder-suicide. Paul was extremely jealous of the fame that yeah. Dorothy received. Um, at least from this depiction, he was extremely jealous. He always felt that someone would take her away from him because he wasn't as flashy or didn't have actual wealth. And he shot them both with a shotgun. So you're introduced to those characters, but then they're gone. And it's like, okay, we could have used that a lot more. So I definitely feel like Ryan Murphy could have made this series a bit better. Yeah. All the enough. Um, so I, I might go back to it. I don't know. I'm happy to see Kamel in like a less comedic series. Um, but I just don't know if it's gonna be what I expected. Uh, and then I finished The Patient. That ending was very, very good, but very surprising. Um, but it was a very good series. Uh, 10 episodes and stars Steve Carell and Donald Gleason. Carell plays the therapist who is kidnapped and held hostage by Gleason's character, who is a serial killer, and he wants help to fight his killer urges. Um, but it, it also delves into sort of like just personal trauma and family trauma as they sort of go in the backstory of Steve Carell's character and the things he's has to overcome and some of the things he's still going through. So it's it's an interesting series. Okay. And I finished season three of Rami, binged the whole, I think, 10 episodes. Um, it's been gone for a while because of COVID and everything else, but season three was amazing. Uh, there's one plot point I felt was a bit sitcom-y yeah. in a way, but it, it worked out. Um, I definitely didn't expect it, but um, yeah, it, it was a very solid season. Rami, I don't think he gets enough. He gets, of course, uh, accolades for writing all the time, but I don't think he gets enough for acting. He's great in this series as well as the supporting cast. Yeah. I really just need to sit down and start it, try to get into it. It's really good. Like, think of what to think what it compares to. It's not as surreal and bonkers as Atlanta, but it sort of has that comedic feel. Um, and you know, it's about an uh, immigrant family in New Jersey and sort of living in America and really about like who you choose to be and not who you who you think you should be because of okay. outside factors and stuff. It, it's really good. Interesting. And let's see, Apple TV started Slow Horses season two. Only watched the first episode, but I'm definitely here for it. Season one was really good. So um, that's a espionage series that's based on some novels uh, set in the UK. So it follows MI5 or whatever they're called. Yeah, I think, what is it like? MI, yeah, it's something like MI5 or MI6 or something. Yeah, yeah the UK's version of the CIA, basically. Um, right. Stars Gary Oldman, uh, who is very good. 
But um, yeah, it, it's really good. And I finished Disney Plus's Andor. Ooh. Best show of the year. <laughs> like, no lie. I know a lot of people felt that the first three episodes were a bit slow and didn't work. But it, it's worth the where you get to where you're at by episode 12. Um being someone who's familiar with Star Wars, not a big fan, it it still works. You don't have to know much about the universe or the lore to get into the series. It's it's amazing. That's yeah. all I can say. Definitely amazing. Okay. And then we've got some films you watched. Yeah, so last week, uh, Comcast had their, their week of free or free week, whatever they refer to it as. So there are some films that came on, and one of those was Red Rocket, and that is a film with Simon Rex, who I I don't know where you would know him from. Maybe you know him from his like early films. He was in, uh, he was uh, kind of a joke rapper known as like Dirt Nasty, and, and uh, so yeah, he's he's been in some things. But in this film, he plays a kind of like a con man and he's a porn star, ex-porn star who wants to return back to that stage and being in front of everybody. And um, uh, he comes back to his hometown and things just aren't what he plans them to be. He he wants to be, he, well, he doesn't really think he's going to be like exalted and lifted up, but um, people really don't want him there. His exes don't want him there, family, and he kind of falls in and falls in love with a young woman who I think is maybe, I'm not sure how old she's supposed to be in this film, but it, it's obviously controversial. I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be like either like a late teen or something like that, but uh, it's really, really good. Simon Rex, who, like I said, is mostly comedic actor and does stuff like that, was really good at this and um, kind of curious as to what it does for his career because I remember reading an interview when this came out saying that things had just kind of stalled for him. And so... Um, uh, uh, the director of this who oh my god why is his name escaping me he did tangerine oh sweet jesus sean baker uh mm. reached out to him and so that's how this came together so yeah it was it was really good i liked it um and then i watched souvenir 2 and this is a sequel to the film souvenir and this was a film about a young woman who is in a relationship with a man who's just not good for her he's Ooh. intense and kind of this uh he he puts on more than what he thinks he actually is he's kind of untrustworthy and he's a little bit older than her and um you know her friends and family don't like him and they try to warn her about it and she's kind of young and i wouldn't say naive but really wants to see the best in him and then the second part is just kind of a continuation of where her life um goes because in the last one uh he overdoses so oh, there's wow. this it's it's interesting it's really good and i'm not sure if i'm not sure if this is still on comcast for free sometimes after their week of free the things are actually on there for good now but i don't know and then and this is the one i really wanted to see i was able to see through the week of free smile the horror film that had the horrifying commercials, had the <laughs> marketing at Yankees games and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
this was this was a good horror film. It was like a it was like a fun one. It, it could definitely creep somebody out, and it's not maybe as scary as the, the uh, commercials and stuff would leave on, but it was kind of like fun. So, uh, and 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 in a way, it would remind you of like um, maybe the ring. Like it starts with this woman, this doctor having like an incident, and then shit just keeps happening to her. Kind of like in the ring, you know, something kicks off and then they can't escape that tape. Um, but uh, it, it was really good. I enjoyed it for, and it's 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 like two hours, so it's pretty long for a horror movie, but it was it was decent. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah the marketing for that was incredible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right we got a few trailers here kind of big ones um what i didn't list was the indiana jones dial of destiny trailer do we care about this film no not at all okay and i'm also bothered that they de-aged harrison ford throughout the making of it so that's gonna be weird yeah but we did get the first look at um emily banks directed cocaine bear is inspired by true events i remember listening to it on a podcast where some drug dealers or cocaine smugglers lose cocaine and a bear consequently digests it and this would be sort of like a wild point of that um it looks like a dark comedy slash horror event right um, but the cast is pretty good. Carrie Russell, um, who else? Some really big names. Yeah. But it comes when out- I was watching, when I was watching the trailer, I was like, "This is definitely the type of film that could do numbers at the box office. It's the right type of stupid to have people just completely obsessed with it." Yes. Um, it's actually uh, stars Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., um, and Ray Liotta. And this is actually his final film. Oh, wow. Before his death. So definitely an interesting oh, cast and an interesting premise. It drops February 24th. And then we also got the first look at Transformers Rise of the Beasts. This is a sequel to the movie Bumblebee that starred Haley Steinfeld, which was actually really good. Okay. So we've gone from the 80s of Bumblebee to the 90s. And um, this movie is introducing the Beast Transformers into the scenario. So if you were a kid in the 90s, Beast Beast Wars was an animated series that saw, you know, the aliens take on animal form. So I loved it. Um, I had the various toys for Christmas and birthdays. So um, it looks pretty good. It stars Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback, which are two really good up and coming actors. that's pretty much all I know. Yeah. I'll be honest, I did not know this was coming out. And I saw the trailer maybe last night. And yeah, I was I was into it. I was like, okay, yeah, I could get with this. 
Yes, it's being directed by Stephen Cable Jr., who uh, directed Creed Two and The Land, which is a movie I need to see. You know, it's about uh, youth growing up in Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, this drops June 9th, 2023. So it should be interesting. And out of all you watched the past two weeks, <laughs> what's uh being going on your pick six pick six list? I th- think episode five of the White Lotus is definitely taking first place. Um I would put Smile second and then Red Rock. I think had I gotten more into Wendy, it would be up there because I did enjoy it. But like I said, I need to finish it. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's see. Uh, The Andor finale is my number one. Uh, Then that's Amore. And I would say uh, Rami. Season three. Yeah. Before we get out of here, we're streaming for the weekend. Um, the main thing I am looking forward to is His Dark Materials Season 3. I will not lie to you. I forgot that it was coming back, and I had to make sure that it was still set up on the DVR, and it is, so I'm very excited for that. And uh, more World Cup. I've been watching that like crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, same here. I'm very excited for His Dark Materials, which uh, premieres this week on Monday. It'll be two episodes tonight. I think there's a total of eight episodes, so we'll basically go through the month of December for the whole season. And then the second season, part one of Firefly Lane is on Netflix. Soapy melodrama starring Sarah Chalk and Katherine Heigl, where I watched the first season and throughout it, every episode, I was like, this is terrible. And then by the end of each episode, there's a cliffhanger, which made you want to watch the next episode. So... Here I am for the second season. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what's happening over at Netflix. And we want to thank you for pre- pressing play on another edition of It's From a Live podcast. Um, stay tuned for the rest of the year. We'll be probably compiling our best of list pretty soon and continue our watch of award season. Till next time, keep on streaming. Peace.